is the Entertainment Beyond Podcast with your host Jensen Dean Jackson and Alan Weinstein, bringing you all things relevant in pop culture and entertainment. We will be with you weekly, at least, talking about movies, politics, music, and all things in between. So check us out. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. How's it going? It's going. I've been at it on this Monday. On this cold-ass Monday, if you're in Portland, Oregon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Entertainment Beyond. Sorry we couldn't be with you as we promised on the 31st. We both had some shit going on. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Jensen Dean Jackson, joined by joined as always by... Alan Weinstein. And today we're going to give you a review of the one that started the horror slasher genre, John Carpenter's Halloween. I was I was actually unaware that, that that's an interesting statement. I was unaware that it started the genre. That's very interesting. I mean, you know, shortly after you have Halloween, you have uh, Friday 13th and a bunch of other clones. You have Prom Night. Sure. You know, Halloween really is the one that started it all, so to speak. I mean, there were horror movies before, but it really jump-started the uh, slasher genre. Very interesting. And uh, before we ahead? before we get started, you know, the biggest piece of news that I read this week is uh, rest in peace to Sean Connery. Passed away. I saw that. That's uh that's a, a loss for sure. I mean, you know, he hasn't acted in a while, so I guess we haven't seen him on film in probably four or five years. But I mean, it's just a loss to the world, and he's a you know he's a legend. So. He's a Hollywood my, legend to any of the people that serve at the altar of Hollywood. <laughs> my opinion, uh, the the greatest James Bond. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, he's you know there were times that he was much better than others. You know, I I, I don't know that I would classify him as like you know what I would consider a great great actor per se I think a fair amount of what his roles uh, the roles that he portrayed or the way that he portrayed them were very similar Um, but there were certain roles that he did very well um, and and better than anybody else in my opinion i.e. James Bond absolutely Um, yeah Definitely a big loss. Uh, man, you could just, the amount of people that have died in 2020, and I know we lose celebrities every year, but it seems like we've lost an inordinate amount of, of people this year that are, and not just in the entertainment world, but just, just in, in general. general. People, right, you know, people that you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, not to mention, obviously, the 200 plus thousand coronavirus deaths. But, yeah, but, you know, you know that's all fake but, news anyways. Yeah. Well, there is that, but yeah, but yeah. That's a, it's definitely a, a huge loss. Um, I, I have one little piece of news. I did read that it does look like, although Regal's not included, it looks like AMC and, uh, oh, geez, now this is a terrible news story if I can't remember the other company, but another movie theater company are opening some theaters up again. So I don't know if that means Regal will attempt to do that here in the near future. I don't, I'm not advocating it and saying that it's a smart decision. I'm just saying that some of them are doing it, um, and so I wonder if that means that Regal might try to make a, a comeback. Your theater, your your theater going options might be available again sooner than later. Don't so. know why uh, why they think 
People are not going back to the movies. That's just not something that's fucking happening. No one wants to sit in a death chamber. And, uh, yeah, no, it's just not... I don't know what they're thinking, but that's not going down. No, I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree with you. I, I think that, you know, the movie theater industry, along with a lot of other indoor industries, are going to be in, in big trouble until <laughs> there's a, an actual vaccine that's proven to work and that people are willing to actually take it. And, and we have some sort of, you know, at least, I, you know, some sort of, containment on the whole thing. You know? Which we don't. I'm Cases are only crazy. spiking. I'm talking to a couple of different well, you know, at least one lady that works in the medical field and she has to, at her hospital, deal directly with COVID patients and she's saying the cases are spiking again. So, you know, people yeah. can keep, continue to be ignorant. I don't give a shit what your belief is about the, the virus. The fact still remains people are dying whether you believe it's a hoax or not. you more than welcome amongst your inner circles to explain away such a mass hoax. But me, you know, the, all I want to do is get back to the movies. I've been aching. You know, Halloween, the newest one was supposed to be out this month or last month. There's supposed to be a uh-huh. new Candyman. There's supposed to be a bunch of new shit. I'm irritated. I'm very irritated. I don't care about going to bars or drinking or really social uh, interactions with people. I don't care about any of that. I just want to go back to the <laughs> movies and... I am not willing, you know, even though I've been out in this pandemic the whole nine months working it and haven't gotten sick at either one of my jobs. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, all it's going to take is me deciding like, oh, it's safe to go back to the movies. And then and then I exactly. die. So I'm good. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel very lucky that I, you know, that I, 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 I believe I haven't gotten it. I mean, I haven't taken an antibody test um, you know, I mean, I, I suppose I've had a cough and probably a, a couple of symptoms over the last nine months. You know, I have allergies at different times. And, you know, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would love to take an antibody test at some point just to see if there was a chance maybe I had it. Because, you know, a lot of they say 50% of people that get it are asymptomatic anyhow. So, you know, it's highly possible you could add it and didn't know. But I guess you get tested pretty often probably for probably for your job at Amazon. No, I actually so. don't. Just a temperature uh-huh. check. Uh, well, so that's kind of a, that seems like a, not a great policy, but I guess it is what it is. So I guess, yeah, no, I feel lucky all the time that, that we haven't gotten it. And at the same time, we're also not out pushing it and I wouldn't go to a movie theater either. So yeah, but I did see that piece of news. So I wonder, you know, I'm interested to know if Regal's going to follow suit with at least some in some of the areas where they're allowing those things to happen. It's not every state, not every county in every state, obviously, um, but some of them seem to be reopening certain places for like, I don't know. I think they said 25% capacity, which still seems like a lot. I would think at minimum, you know, 10% maybe. But even then, I mean, I don't... You know, I don't 10% ain't going to make did, you no money. I, that's true. Well, and that's, you know, this business... The, the, uh, I was listening to uh, the head of the Sonoma County Business Association here, and he was saying, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. We appreciate being able to sit people outdoors, and we're really looking forward to this. this is about two weeks ago. We're, we're basically on the cusp of being able to have some sort of indoor dining again at some capacity here in this close future. Um, and he would say, you know, it'll be great that we can have some people, but the reality is, is my restaurant doesn't operate and keep operating on 25 or 50% capacity. The business model operates on hundred percent capacity. You know, I don't survive at 50% capacity. Yeah. You're so. basically like opening your restaurant up with the expectation that you're going to have to close eventually because you can't sustain on, 
such little right. money and then you're only allowed to be I mean out here you're only allowed to be open until 10 p.m. and then you have to shutter your doors and shit which is just like doesn't even make any sense at all financially right. that's crazy. it's yeah, just that's to crazy. me it's just desperation and one to get back to normal you know I'd like to know what the fuck you think normal is because normal ain't happening jackass well, yeah, and, you know, what people consider the normal, I think, is, is in a lot of ways is what's led us here. I mean, not to the coronavirus, but just to this, you know, what I would call, um, un, un, in, you know, un, uh, uncontrolled capitalism, you know, uncontrolled free markets. Just, you know, money just reigns supreme and it dominates everything. I mean, it definitely takes precedence over human life. Over and over and over again, the coronavirus is just the latest example, you know, um, and that's what you get when you have uncontrolled greed and uncontrolled accumulation of wealth and, you know, no regulations on any of that shit. And, yeah, and people that are greedy enough to, you know, to, to want it all. So, no, I mean, it's, a, you know, it, it's brought us to this to a certain, you know, respect. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's a shitty situation. So enough of that negativity and we should move on to some horror stuff. Absolutely. Well, you know, I uh, I absolutely adore this movie. I think it is. God, there's just such a uh, <laughs> a delicate way in which that the movie's put together for a, a slasher flick. There is barely any blood, if any blood at all. I think there's some blood, but there's not a lot. And with most of these these movies, you get people oh no i don't need to see blood and guts and blah 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 this movie is if you if you're watching it you know you watch it uh you can tell it's a total indie movie like they just almost made this movie on a whim it was something they wanted to do and it shines through in almost every scene it's impossible to notice or not impossible not to notice the indie vibe and a lot of the things that probably led to to a movie making changing just by them deciding to take a chance on some of their, there's one shot where uh, it's right after Lori and her friend pull away from that uh, convenience store that had been broken into. And you get that wide angle shot of Dr. Loomis walking up to the cop at the same time they're panning over. Michael's pulling up in that uh, hospital vehicle and that's just, to me, it's just such an amazing shot. If you're a cinephile, then stuff like that's really going to catch your eye. And fuck, yeah, man, that's just shit like that. Makes it, to me, makes it an amazing movie. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I got a, two perspectives on it because I watched it with my wife who hasn't seen it yet, who hadn't seen it in its entirety ever, um, you know, pieces here and there and knew a little bit, you know, obviously about it, but hadn't seen it in its entirety. So we sat and watched it and we actually watched it on uh, Friday night in the dark. Um, and I hadn't seen it in, you know, 25 years or so or 30 years. Um, since I was, you know, probably a teenager. Um, and it's, you know, it definitely... There's parts of it that'll hold up uh, as far as still scary. Um, I, you know, honestly, and I don't know if it is simply a reflection of 70s filmmaking or not. I, I didn't think, in, in hindsight, watching it again, I, even for Jamie Lee Curtis, I didn't think the acting was very good. 
I thought some of it was very overdone. Um, she seemed, uh, you know, kind of overacting at times. They all did at times. Um, but it is still scary. Um, I, there is some amazing cinematography and some of the stuff they do. Do you have a piece of paper very... or something around you? Sounds like you're rustling no. paper. Not at all. I'm no. not moving at all. <laughs> nope. It's, uh, I found it very kind of Hitchcock-esque in a lot of the way that it does it. It's uh, suspense um, and, and some of its, you know, cinematography type stuff. Um, and, and that stuff was good. You know, that the, the beginning scenes, the opening scenes where he's following her with the car, he's driving around, you know, gives you the creeps for sure. All that stuff that, you know, they, she walks up to the house. And, well, when they give me the creeps, cause he was following them way too closely. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, and I guess some of that is, is the times, you know, I think that we are in an age in 2020 where we're much more alert to stuff like that. At least I think I am. I mean, they seem pretty kind of nonchalant about being followed by a car that I would have picked up a lot earlier than them. Now, to be fair, it's a horror movie and there's a willing suspension of disbelief and you have to create tension and suspense. And I get that. But in reality, it seemed like they were a little kind of cavalier about a car that followed them an awful lot or not noticing it. Um, as quickly as I would have. Um, but, um, you know, uh, that, but that stuff, you know, definitely. Are you using, too. are you talking on just your phone? Sorry, there's a lot of secondary noise. So I'm just trying to figure out if you're using a microphone or just your phone. Nope. It sounds like you're wrestling newspaper right in my ear. Ah, yeah, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm doing it the same way I always yeah, do it. You got to get your, you got to get old new phone, man. I know, I do. I definitely do. You want to you wanna end it and send another link and try again? No, we'll keep going. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, not as much as I did when I was a kid. Obviously, as the movie progresses, I think the, the, um, some of the suspense and, and fear factor kind of dissipates a little. I think some of the actual action scenes... Um, with the violence, leave a little to be desired. Um, but the um, scenes where they're trying to create suspense, the you know, where you see the car, where you see him uh, watch her walk away from the Myers house, you know, from the backside of his silhouette, looking out the window, and, you know, one of the first opening scenes, not opening scenes, but in the first, you know, 20 minutes or so. Uh, all that stuff, I think, is done really well. Um, but there are some things that I thought were definitely, you know, watching it now, it wasn't near as uh, as intense or scary as I remember it being as a kid. Now, naturally, that's, you know, I'm, I'm 44 years old now, so my, my level of fear is different than it was then. But, um, you know, and I, I think that's the nature of films being 40 or 35, 40 years old, you know. Um, but it does still hold up in many respects. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I've seen it twice in the last couple weeks, and it's good. The 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 thing that anchors this movie that makes you uh, at least makes me stay invested is Donald Pleasance's uh, Doctor Loomis. For me, I feel like the entire movie, the entire believability of what this thing is all hinges on Donald Pleasance's acting as Dr. The Desperate. 
Dr. Loomis, which the more times you go back and you watch it, like I, I saw this movie when I was fucking 15 or 16, and it was a revelation for me, you know, because my first horror movie was Scream, which is a completely different beast all in itself. And uh, watching it now as an older man, I'm like, I thought, you know, things get confused when you're a kid. So I thought he was more of a cop the first time I seen it. And then with the full spectrum of understanding as an adult and no child wonderment, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, hold on a second there. You can't be a uh, state-appointed therapist telling police what to do. Like, that seems a little off. And But, yeah, no, he he did. But for me, the, the entire movie's believability uh, hinges on Dr. Loomis. And I just find him an enchanting character and he's got one of the best lines in there when uh when those kids Lonnie and those other kids are poking around the Myers house and he tells Lonnie to get his ass away from there and that uh, just makes me laugh every time uh as far as the you I think you're right with with any movie that you might have been scared by uh as a younger person when you get older yeah, you know, unless you're a pussy, you're going to grow up a little bit and be like, well, that's not believable at all. And uh, this movie, you can tell it's really indie. And he was just letting John Carpenter was letting them do their thing because what was it? The uh, the girl, fuck, what was her name? Annie got one of the, the world's most <laughs> sassy babysitters when Michael, which, by the way, if that was the first time he's ever choked someone, He's got to brush up on his skills because he's really bad at choking people to death. But she's got yeah. this this pornographic, orgasmic death face. It's just like, that yeah. is so hilarious. Like, they all die uh, right. with these expressions that say that I just had the best orgasm, not I'm being killed. Help me. It's fucking hilarious. And then there's the one kill scene where he stabs the guy, the boyfriend, after he just gets done having, like, the lamest-looking five minutes of sex that I've ever seen anybody have. And uh, he stabs him, and then the guy just hangs there, which, in reality, you're, the weight of your body would totally slide off the knife like butter. <laughs> but I... Uh, yeah, you could, you could just... You could tell that uh, it was made on a razor-thin budget. It was, it was made... For only thousands of dollars, but it grossed millions worldwide. Yeah, I mean, for what it is, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's a classic coming for what it is and knowing that it was made with a, a, a very minimal budget and, you know, made, you know, tons of money and, and has risen to the, the notoriety that it has. I mean, it's definitely, a, you know, cult classic. Uh, you know, it's a, it's one of the more classic horror films of all times. If you're a horror fan, you see it, you love it. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, those were all. It's very interesting because the stuff that you all mentioned were all things. And you know, I hate to bring in another person's perspective because she's not here to tell it for herself. But those were all things that my wife pointed out. Not really liking about it. She thought Doctor Loomis was very unbelievable. She thought he seemed uh, out of it and not. She didn't like his acting. Um, she thought that his character 
leaves a lot to be desired. She didn't like, she thought the story was very thin as far as no, there's no history at all about Michael. I mean, you see him in the opening scene and then 50, just 15 years later, and you just, you know nothing about him ever. There's no development. And I assume that those, I'll be 100% honest with you and all the listeners, I've never seen any other, other, any of the other Halloween movies. So I don't know if there's more story development in the, in the subsequent films. I would imagine that there has to be, but maybe not. Um, and so those two things fell short for her. And then the thing that really kind of summed up the movie for her when I asked her, hey, give me a rating on it, and she came in as zero, <laughs> was um, that at the end, you know, it was all kind of fine and dandy until he became kind of unkillable, which just is like this weird, all of a sudden, now he can't die. Like, it's one thing to be a psycho from a, you know, a state hospital who's got loose screws and gets out, but then to make him immortal, it's like, what's that about? I mean, they don't... She just that really kind of threw a whole wrench into her, and 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 seeing it from her perspective and, and listening to what she said, I can definitely kind of understand where she's coming from. There are definitely some things in there that, that leave a little to be desired, and I know that you know. I, I my guess is that they had this idea of doing another one, or had already done another one. Again, I don't know a lot about it, um, you know, but it seems like they deliberately made him at the end unkillable so that they could do a, a Halloween two or a sequel. Um, and you know, that's, it's a little cheesy. I mean, I would have preferred that they just killed him and wrapped it up in one film. Now, obviously you wouldn't have the franchise that you have. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that love them. And I'm probably being blasphemous by saying that, you know, they should have ended it at the first one, but, um, actually yeah, you, you know, are not being blasphemous. John Carpenter, would actually appreciate that because John Carpenter had no plans for this to be a franchise. He wanted to make one movie and be done. And I will say this to Cindy, you are invited from my life. How dare you besmirch the good name of John Carpenter. And if you want more backstory on Michael Myers and why he is the way he is, I invite you guys to watch the two Rob Zombie movies. Um, Spoiler alert. They are super white, trashy, hardcore, and a lot more bloody but if you need more okay. of a backstory, John Carpenter's explanation behind doing that is at the time, you had too much of a reason for why the killer was doing it. And he just wanted to force a shape, as they call it in the movies, that was just doing these things. So what's scarier than someone who has no reasoning for why they're killing? Absolutely. No, I totally get that. And I, you know, I can see it both ways. I mean, and I can appreciate, you know, what, what John Carpenter did. And, you know, for what it is, and, 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 you know, again, another, you know, successful John Carpenter film. Um, I, you know, I think he's one of the better directors and producers, you know, in Hollywood history. So, um, Not to forget that I legendary like, score that he created. Yes, that too. I did notice that. that it, I did notice in the credits that the music was all done by him too. And some of the music is great. I mean, the you know, the sound, yeah, the sounding and the music that they play at times, obviously, as always, creates, you know, the, the tension and the ambiance. And it is scene. one of the, um, sorry to cut you off, it is one of the only of horror movies where, usually in horror movies, the uh, the soundtrack will give away what happens. And I've seen this movie a bunch of times. There was that one scene where the kids are teasing that little boy, uh, Tommy Doyle. And then Michael, the, the, the music just juts out of nowhere as Michael grabs him and it made me jump and go, holy fuck, because 
It's one of those. It's one only one one of the only horror movies where they use musical cues to betray you instead of you knowing what's coming. Sure. Yeah, there were, and, and and like I said, I would say that about the first half hour, forty minutes or so of the scene where they're setting all of the foreshadowing and all of that stuff, I thought was really scary. Then when we get into the meat of it and the actual killings, I thought it does. It gets a little corny, you know. The choking scene where he kills Annie in the car is very corny. The you know his his strangling skills leave a lot to be desired. Oh now, yeah, he's you know, really he sucks that uh. At least by the end, when he gets to Lori, he decides two hands are better than one. That is true. That is true. And even then, he's still not great. He, fit, You know, it, it feels like, and maybe it's a symptom of being in an, an institution for 15 years, God doing, you know, having God knows what done to him in that day and age. But he, he his movements feel very Frankenstein-ish. Like, he's clunky. He's not like a fluid moving human in a lot of respects, especially in his interactions in the action scenes. He just feels clunky and Frankensteinish when he grabs people around the throat, especially the scene with the kid, with the guy, the boyfriend in the, in the uh, kitchen where he lifts him up off the ground and stabs him. And yeah, miraculously his body stays on that knife um, that holds him up in the wall. Uh, you know, we, we laughed out loud, which, which isn't necessarily the symbol of a bad film, but I do think that when your purpose is to truly achieve some sort of level of fear, when you get laughter from, I, I don't think your laughter is what you're trying to elicit from the fan, from, from your audience in the death scene. So I, I felt like that one definitely missed the, missed the mark a little. Um, you know, but overall as a whole, I enjoyed watching it. You know, I mean, like I said, the first 45, you know, 35, 40 minutes of it, all the foreshadowing before the meat of the actual killings and stuff, I think is, is done very well. Um, he's, you know, a creepy character. That scene where they're walking and he's appears from behind the hedge and then she taps Annie on the arm and says, look, and he's gone. And then they can't find him when they get to the hedge. That stuff creeped me out, you know, much more than any of the actual action killing scenes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm not as critical. I mean, for me, I, you know, if I had to rate this movie, I would give it, you know, two and a half or three, three bowls. Uh, you know, I forget exactly what we're using. Is three like, puffs. Three, three puffs. That's right. Three puffs. Um, so I would, I would give it three puffs. Um, yeah, I'm not as hypercritical as my wife, but after hearing her, input i can see how especially and to be fair it's not it's a little unfair because she's seeing it for the first time through serious adult eyes and i'm a true believer that even though horror films are coming out every day as i'm an adult i think horror has the biggest impact on people when they see them as children or as young teenagers because i think that's when you're the most you're more susceptible to believe things like that Correct. So, you know, she were already you know, at a disadvantage because it's already, she's already a grown adult with, you know, a, a low level of fear. On top of that, it is an old film in which a lot of the stuff that's done is done in a way that was good at that time, cinematography wise, but for now it, it comes across as corny and so it makes it less, you know, scary. Um, so that's a disadvantage that she's at seeing it for the first time now. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I enjoyed watching it. I mean, I'm glad that, that we watched it. And uh, yeah, as usual, John Carpenter, I think, delivers, you know, um, if that's what you're into, I, I think he delivers. And I, you know, I enjoyed it. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on the three pups because that's not enough pups for uh, a good view. <laughs> I'm going to have to give it five, even with the bad death faces that are really orgasm faces and stuff. There's so much in that movie, especially the scene where they're in high school and they're talking about the story about fate and how no matter what the character did on that time, that day, it was just fated. It was something they could ignore. That basically gives away the entirety of the movie if you're paying attention. It spoils the whole movie for you. What's going to happen to Lori is that she was fated, whether it was luck or, or, or unluck, she was fated to have the interaction with Michael Myers and shit like that. It's just like, you could tell they thought so, so deeply about this movie. I can ignore <clears throat> some of the, uh, the, the bigger things that there, that would be glaring marks that you couldn't ignore only because the ripoff Friday the 13th, while Friday the 13th, the original is the best one in the entire franchise. It has the only story that Friday the 13th has is that Mrs. Myers, crazy bitch of the year, is killing people because her son died. There's no, there's no setup. Like, there is no nothing. Like, at least with, with uh, Halloween, you have some type of story, whereas the camp counselors in Friday the 13th are just there to fucking get killed. And that's, right. that's really the same formula for all the movies, whereas throughout the Halloween franchise even though it wanes and, you know, there are peaks and valleys, they still maintain a strong story. And even though we're, that's not part of the first Halloween, well, it is part of the first Halloween, and that's why I'm willing to give it a higher rating than you and your wife, Cindy, who gives it zero, which is just, you know, like, get out of town, go to Mars, because you're acting weird. Like, zero? Really? She couldn't even give it a one based off the score. Like, the score is one of the, the creepier things, elements of that movie. It is. I, I No, I, I really appreciate the score. And I thought the Carpenter did a really good job. I I found, honestly, I, I had a little bit more respect for him when I realized that he had done the score for that. Because it is. It's a good score. I mean, the, the music in that is done in such a way that it definitely does what it's intended to do. I mean, it creates context. It creates tension. It creates fear. It creates ambiance, all that stuff. So, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I definitely enjoyed the score for sure. I mean, I would give the score probably a higher rating than the whole than the movie overall. <laughs> yeah, you and Cindy kind of sound like biased people. <laughs> yeah, have her crank on that Rob Zombie remake, and uh, she'll get all the backstory. Michael Myers is just a fucked up little asshole. Yeah, I mean, which I guess is what you're supposed to take from. I mean, the idea that you know. At, at five years old or six years old or however old he was in the very first scene where, um, you know, he, he kills uh, uh, his, sister. his sister, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. Um, that, um, you know, he's young enough and it looks like a normal enough environment that you just, I think you're supposed to just get the impression that he's just nuts. He's just a psychopath, which the movie does do that. It's just and then, you know, I mean, what do you need to know in theory from that time? You know, he gets 
uh, you know, arrested, I guess, and put in a mental institution, and he's there for 15 years until he breaks out. I mean, that you don't really need any. I mean, what do you need, you need to see the time in the institution? I mean, I don't, you know, all that stuff. That's that's a question for your wife. You know, I will say, right. remark, however, that uh, when his parents find him outside, Michael, and they find him outside. His mom has the biggest, I don't give a fucking shit about this kid look on her face. The dad has a concern, but his mom just kind of shoves her arms in her pockets and is like, ah, ah, oof, my goof, Michael's done it again. Outside right. along with a bloody kitchen knife. What am I going to do with this boy? Like that, the, the lady who plays the mom in that brief scene has such a, I don't give a fucking shit. And that is one of the key things to, I won't say, well, you know, if you care about your kids, they won't still turn into murder psychopaths. But caring about your children will stop a lot of the issues that they go out into the world and, and carry through with, you know, fights at school and shit like that. And <clears throat> not to get too preachy, but that mom looked like she could not have given a fuck less. Whereas in the Rob Zombie version, Sherry Moon Zombie plays Michael's mother, and she's a uh, a stripper. So you know if that if that can you know point towards your kid being more of a murderer, because then you got the 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 your mom's a town whore, blah blah blah. She's a stripper. You know I'm I'm really invested in getting you guys to watch these so you can come back and worship at the feet of John Carpenter and tell Jonathan how wrong and sorry you guys are for besmirching his good name. <laughs> Well, I'll see if I can convince you to watch them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I you know, again, I, I like Carpenter, so take it easy on me. And I think Three Puffs is decent. That's not a terrible. It's not like I'm I'm panning it, um, you know. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. Kind, I of, kind of feels like a scathing review at Three Puffs. <laughs> scathing indictment. A scathing indictment. No, hardly, hardly a scathing indictment. I mean, there's, there's far. I mean, you know, I, there's movies that are far worse out there. I mean, I mean I, this is coming from I, a guy who liked, who literally, legitimately enjoyed the uh, Venom movie. Not me, listeners. Alan Weinstein enjoyed that movie. Not me. I, I, I found it terrible. I did actually enjoy that film, but that's a, a conversation for another day. But I do, you know, I did enjoy this more. I do, I did enjoy this, and I think Halloween's done better than a lot of the subsequent flasher flasher films that that i think kind of follow its path for short i you know i've never been and to be fair i'm not a horror guy so i'm biased a little bit to begin with but i i think it's better than friday the 13th i think it's better than nightmare on elm street um you know i it's not really comparable to poltergeist but poltergeist for me is one of the scariest movies i've ever seen oh no i thought Um, that was lame really yeah. yeah, see, so we definitely have a different, um, uh, you know, idea of what's scary. And, and, and again, you know, scary is subjective to everybody, you know, whatever, you know, something that scares me has a totally different impact on you and vice versa. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I don't, but I do think that this is, you know, the better of the, the slasher films that, that followed it. I think, you know, it leads the way and I think it sets the bar and I don't, I don't know that the other ones meet it. I mean, it, uh, you know, and I do think that, um, I, you know, again, for me, when it comes to suspense and thriller, I think Hitchcock is the best. And I felt that Carpenter did a lot of kind of Hitchcocky things in this. I, I, I felt like a lot of the, the scenes where he's following them in the car 
where you see her walking away from the Myers house in the silhouette from the back of his head through the window. Um, I thought um, the, um, the fact that he never speaks, and you never hear Michael say anything in the movie that I can think of, I don't think he ever speaks, feels very Hitchcock-esque to me. And, and I like that. I mean, that it, it rings you know, true to, to that style. And I like that. And so those are the things that I definitely appreciated. And, you know, I can appreciate that, you know, that this was uh, an, uh, a low budget indie film done at a time when technology wasn't great for producing, you know, a lot of sensational special effects. And as a result, you get what you get. And, and in that context, you know, it's definitely, it still holds up. I mean, it's, you know, I would, I, I would recommend anybody to watch it that hasn't seen it. And another thing that I'll point out that goes back to my theory about mask wearing serial killers with the, uh, with the, um, exclusion of Jason Voorhees is that I don't know what version you watched down if you're watching the high def or whatnot, but I got the Blu-ray, which looks fucking amazing. They've, uh, restored the picture it just looks great and so when Lori at the end of the movie at halloween when they're struggling on the staircase and Lori rips his mask off you fully see the uh you fully see michael myers face and besides the the fucked up eye from her stabbing in the eye with the with the hanger he's a good looking guy which always points back to my theory that super good looking people in horror movies are the killers <laughs> <laughs> it just works out. You know, if you've ever seen Scream, there's, you know, I know what you did. Well, not I know what you did last summer, but um, there's there's a litany of horror movies with mask wearers where they're revealed. And you're like, shit, like, you're good looking. Why are you killing these people? Like, at least kill ugly people. What the hell's going on here? Like, you're, why are you even so mad that you're stabbing people? Have you seen yourself in the mirror? And I just, you don't really see that a lot. I mean, you never, you never actually see his face again that I can recall. And I've seen almost all of the, uh, the Friday movies. I actually own all the Blu-ray collection of, uh, well, I said, uh, I own the whole Blu-ray collection for Friday the 13th. And I've seen almost every Halloween movie and with the exception of Scream, which that's always a dramatic affair they have to reveal because that's part of the uh, the whole gag. But yeah, you don't usually see uh, the killer's face like that. I know you probably have less uh, knowledge on it because you don't really enjoy horror movies the same way that I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't necessarily make the statement that, I mean, I don't know, I, I'll take your word for it, that we don't normally see most of the killer's faces. I'm trying to think, I mean, we definitely don't try to think, I, you know, I don't remember ever distinctly seeing Jason's face or, or you know, I mean, I, when I say I'm not a horror movie fan, that doesn't mean that I haven't necessarily seen a lot of them. Um, you know, I've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I'm trying to remember, I don't, you know, I think he's pretty nasty through the whole thing, too. Um, but, um yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, I, I'll take your word for it that that's something that doesn't happen generally. And I did, I didn't watch it on Blu-ray or any remastered version. It was on, uh, I don't even remember what streaming service I watched it on. It was on, it might have been on the Roku channel or something for free with commercials. It was like the 1978 original version. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the the, the film was, gray, was grainy and, and it had, uh, I, you know, it had these weird neon green blips i assume they were editing 
cuts or, you know, where they were putting the, I don't know what they were, but in between scenes, sometimes there were, you know, just a brief little half a second. I mean, blip, but you could, enough that you could see it. Um, so, yeah. So, and I, you know, I was, a, you know, I definitely thought it was cool when she ripped his, his little mask or ripped his mask off and you, you know, saw his face and that kind of stuff. I probably didn't get to see it in near as much detail as you did because, again, the one I watched wasn't a, a Blu-ray or remastered version in any way. They um, probably saw yeah, it the way that it was intended to. I, I would imagine so. So, yeah, no, I mean, again, there's nothing bad about this film. There's some stuff in hindsight that I think comes off as kind of corny. Um, and the action scenes, I think, leaves a little to be desired. I thought some of the acting was a little one-dimensional. But as a whole, um, and for a platform for starting, you know, that genre in many ways, and for kicking off Jamie Lee Curtis, um, you know, it, it's, it's a good vehicle for, for what it does. Yeah, no, I absolutely enjoy the movie. I think it's, like I said at the beginning, I adore it. There's nothing that anybody can say that's going to negatively affect my viewing experience and i uh, i actually have the uh the 2018 sequel that ignores all the other ones and just you know connects straight to the original and uh you know it was nice to watch both of those but halloween the original one started all there is no substitute for what is essentially a master class in how to make and and, and, and it's john carpenter's i believe his first time movie too Oh, really? Yeah. It's John Carpenter and his white writer-producer, Deborah Hill. Their creation. Very interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, you know, he's a legend for sure. I mean, uh, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a legend of filmmaking for sure. And this is a classic Carpenter film. Even if it's the first one, it, you can tell that, that it's his style that the other ones, you know, uh, he, you know, it's much like Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> you can tell that he has a distinctive, you know, style, and you can tell a John Carpenter film, and, and you know, yeah, he's definitely a legend in filmmaking. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, so, I don't have anything else to say. I do have a little bit, a couple more pieces of news, but I am done with the uh, Halloween. I- I'm done with Halloween, um, and uh, I'll let you go ahead. And I had one piece of news. It's not really news, but I'll go ahead and let you hit yours first, just on the off chance that you have the same stuff that I got, or the same thing that I got. So go ahead. Well, the first article I have uh, reads, Tomb Raider 2, which I wasn't aware that they had made a sequel because I didn't find the first one to be uh, worth the effort of watching. Uh, Tomb Raider 2 loses 2021 release date, delayed indefinitely. Which uh, says Tomb Tomb Raider 2 has officially lost its March 2021 release date with Alicia Vikander's return as Laura Croft for the sequel delayed indefinitely. And uh, I don't know why. I don't even know why they're still trying to force movies. Like, there are movies out right now in some random ass theaters that are playing. And, uh, like, I don't don't understand it. You need to know when. you got to throw in the white flag or toss in the towel or whatever. And you're just, you, you look stupid, like being so wishful. There's, there are times where, you know, it's good to be hopeful. And then there are times where just reality is shitty and sucky and you got to face facts. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, I feel like there has been for a while, and for in some respects, uh, in my head, thinking about it now, I feel like Tomb Raider, the originals, the original with Angelina Jolie, for me, in my mind, seemed to kind of uh, maybe be the biggest illustration and or kind of the kickoff point of what I felt like was really bad ideas of adaptations of video games and just really, you know, reaching for just to make any kind of money off of anything, which obviously Hollywood's always done. But this seemed really kind of not exploitive, but just, you know, whatever to me. And and I didn't, you know, and Tomb Raider, the first one with Angelina Jolie, I, it was okay, but I wasn't a big fan of it. I never saw any of the ones after that. I didn't see the reboot of the series either. So the only one I've ever seen was the original from, I don't even know what year that was with Angelina Jolie. Um, and, and uh, you know, honestly, after seeing that, I, it, it kind of soured me on many of the video game adaptations. And I know there's some good ones out there. Um, but as a general rule, I'm not, you know, and I guess it's because I probably don't play them, so I don't have kind of any vested interest in them. But I don't tend to uh, get excited. The movies that are adaptations of video games don't tend to move the needle for me. Those aren't ones that drive me to the theater. And additionally, you know, I, I don't think Tomb Raider 2 is driving anybody to the movie theater in this current environment. Well, so, if uh, the new Chris Nolan movie can drive anybody, then Tomb Raider's definitely <laughs> not going to be the one to save the movie industry. Right. That's what I mean. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, if movies like Tenant and, and other, you know, films that are have a bigger budget and, and have, you know, an actual, some sort of uh, desirable viewing, you know, uh, audience, um, as opposed to a Tomb Raider 2, which I can't imagine has a huge audience, um, you know, yeah, it doesn't seem like those would be things that you would want to, you know, would be pushing you know reopening of the theaters or that you would be driving you know trying to get people to come back to the theaters to see some way the truth seems like a little bit of a mess uh, so yeah but i i mean and i didn't see the like i said i didn't see the remake so um i wasn't overly impressed i mean it's okay i thought angelina jolie's acting was okay in the original and i thought the original was okay and that's not really what we're talking about here so i don't really want to get too much into that like a review of that movie at all but um, yeah, I mean, it, it was bad enough that it never, I never saw the subsequent ones. And I, you know, in many respects, it feels like either one of the biggest of the bunch or kind of the kickoff of, of, of a lot of kind of just bad uh, adaptations of video games to movies that I, you know, that I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I don't care if they release the movie. It's um, old and definitely. I don't give a shit. I don't. If I want good storytelling in a and from a video game, I'll just play a video game like that. Yeah, they've yeah. they've got it down. Uh, the last piece of news I have is uh, the old and old uh, what early early two thousands horror. Uh, series or a series of movies called ginger snaps uh ginger snaps show and development based on cult horror movie the classic horror mo- film ginger snaps is getting a tv series adaption from the producer of killing eve and original director john fawcett and uh i don't know if you ever saw any of these i believe they're about werewolf women interesting nope don't know anything about them uh hold on a second 
but I do know a little bit about Killing Eve. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but that's a great show. No, uh, I've heard some things, but uh, I don't have Netflix or whatever. Whatever platform it's on, I don't have it. Yeah, it's on Hulu. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good show. So, um, uh, you know, if it's done by the people or the people that do Killing Eve, <laughs> are involved in it, then I'm definitely, you know, that that piques my interest a little for sure. Sounds like Alan snapping back at Ginger Snaps. <laughs> That's funny. Uh oh, you're coughing, man. You don't have it, do you? I've got it. No, well, I've got well, I've got I smoke a lot of weed and I just have what I think is yeah, a you got a smoker's I, I, cough. Allergies and smoker's cough a combination. This this area that we live in here in Northern Still California smoky. is smoky. Still smoky, high pollen content, even in the fall or even in the spring, you know, even in the fall. I'm sorry. I know what time of year it is. Even in the fall, it just seems like you can't get away from it. So, I mean, I don't think I have it. But again, I, you know, I've been coughing off and on. I'm going to cough off and on all the time, but I've been coughing off and on for the last nine months. So, you know, it's possible that at some point I could have had it and just had a mild cough is the only symptom. I don't know. That's why I keep saying I'd like to take an antibody test just to see if I have the antibodies. Just to see. And then you start coughing on people because you have the antibodies. Exactly. Yeah, because you know, like Trump says, once you have it, you're immune. Yeah, you just you just want to go up and you kiss everybody. You don't care if it's a man or a woman. You just kiss them. Uh, yeah, I just move on them. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your piece of news? Um. Oh, it wasn't really. It's not a huge piece of news. Well, it's, I, now that I have two, because you reminded me something about Netflix. I don't know. Did you see Netflix is raising their price? Again? Yeah. But, it's uh. Yeah. It sucks for you guys, I guess. It does, yeah. I mean, I guess I'll have to figure out whether I want to keep. I mean, they have, they seem to have a. I say I'm going to get rid of it if it keeps going up, but, you know, I, then I find myself watching it all the time. So I don't know. Um, probably won't end up getting rid of it. Plus, I have like four people leeching off of my Netflix account. So if I cut it off, people will be like, what the fuck did you do? So, um, so that was the piece of news that Netflix is going up. Um, and, I, you know, I hope that that means that along with an increase will. What I have noticed is that what seems to be coinciding with an increase in the cost for me to be a Netflix subscriber is the production value of the Netflix original type stuff. It seems to be better than it was. They seem to be using that money for Netflix original programming stuff, which I have grown to like a lot of it. So if that's the case and it's going to be even better, give them a bigger budget, higher production budget, all that stuff for better actors and all that stuff. Then I, you know, if me paying another dollar, dollar fifty makes that, you know, even better than I, I'm probably not opposed to it in all reality. So, well, so that was the first one. As long as they don't end themselves up in a quibby like situation where they just have to be like, look, we fucked up. We made a mistake. No one wants to watch fucking four minute episodes. Of a TV right. show, you know, I uh, I haven't had Netflix account since they took "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" away, which I believe it's been like four or five years. It has to legitimately have been about four, maybe five years since I've had Netflix because they don't have "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," and I just it's like they 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 create so much content, but only a quarter of it's any good. To me, at least. Sure. And yeah, so, no, I mean, there's definitely, 
it's definitely not all for everybody. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there that I don't watch in their original content. And so I can't comment on whether that stuff is good or not. Um, but the stuff that I watch, I tend to like. I mean, there's stuff on there that I, I, I feel like whether I'm looking through their original stuff or whether I'm looking through their, their, you know, their catalog and stuff, I, I can always find something on there that I can watch, you know, that's, which, which I like. And, and the thing that I like most about Netflix and probably the thing that keeps me there and, and the one true pro for me is, is that you go there, you click on it, you watch it. I hate going on a streaming site, clicking on something to watch, and I have to upgrade or I have to switch packages or I don't subscribe to that one or just let me watch it. Charge me up front what it takes to do everything on that service and let me make the decision whether I want it or not. I really don't like it feels a lot like bait and switch, you know, oh, pay five ninety nine, but you can't see anything but, you know, old 70s sitcom shows. Anything that's new, you got to upgrade to the fifteen ninety nine platform. Well, fuck you. Now you're, you just told me it was 16 to begin with, and I get everything the Netflix style. I probably would have been okay with it, but now I feel like you deliberately tried to reel me in and then fuck me over, and I don't like that, you know. So that's that's one of the things that says that, that I, I find very that I really enjoy about Netflix. My biggest problem with Netflix is that after three or four, in rare cases, five or six seasons of TV show, but usually within three or four seasons of a TV show it's been canceled, whether it's good or not, because it costs more money to keep on bringing back the same high-paid actors for the role, which to me is bullshit. Uh, There was a really good show on there, The Santa Clarita Diet, with uh, Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant, which ran for three or four seasons, and I guess where it ends is good as a series finale, but they could have kept going, and they didn't because it was costing too much, for the actors, which is just kind of like, you know, like BoJack Horseman, really good show. I don't think you probably, you might have heard of it, but you haven't seen it. But I would suggest watching it. It's not what you think. It's a cartoon, but it's a, it's an adult cartoon. It's I've really, seen really good. Yeah, it, that just ended. I mean, that had a, a more natural ending than Santa Clarita Diet. There are, there are lots of shows that are Netflix originals or shows that Netflix buys up. They air quotes save just to kill later on their own terms where it's, it's enough of a frustration to me because traditional TV doesn't work like that uh, where, uh, you know, like there are shows like How I Met Your Mother or It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Smallville or some other shows from a bygone era that last forever because the viewer rating is, is always up. And the, one of the big problems with Netflix is that they don't divulge their their viewer ratings. They're like, fuck you. Like, we make this shit. We don't have to fucking tell you if only right. one person's watching it or not. We'll only tell you when the numbers are fucking good. And sure. it's just, I, I, I don't know. There's some of the, the hang-ups of traditional TV that that's just one of the sticking things for me is that they they just spend so much money. And I would say that they're probably not investing the um, the 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 pay raise for subscription, they're probably investing it in the money because they owe so much fucking money. I remember yeah. reading an article like a year, last year or a couple years ago about how much in the, uh, I think you'd call that being in the red. I'm not sure, whatever whatever it is, where you're bad financially in your books, but they're not like in a super great place. 
So they're not making hand over. They're not making money hand over fist or or whatever the fuck the saying is. They, uh, you know, they're always investors in situations like this. Yeah, Netflix is, it's the pioneer. And it's amazing because Blockbuster had a chance at one point to buy Netflix to save themselves. And they thought that Netflix was a joke. It would never work. People wouldn't want to do it that way. And now look at where we are. They started from the bottom and now they're here. But right. in terms of raising the price, I don't know. You got to give me a little bit more sweetness than I'm getting for you to get this money. And I feel like Hulu's got a good price. I can't really foresee unless Disney, you know, they've got their their uh, their supreme uh, fucking offerings in terms of like offering early access and shit. You pay thirty bucks, that's whatever. But six ninety nine, that's very that's a very attractive price, you know. And Hulu's got the same deal if you want if you want the the bare bones package with the ads and shit like that. And there are other services out there. But Netflix, I, I feel like they're getting a little too... I don't feel boisterous is the right word. Definitely not the right word. Uh, a little too full of themselves. And it's the wrong fucking time in history. Not just in the world, in history to be raising your fucking prices on your your streaming service. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I feel like we're definitely in what I would call, you know, in many ways, what I would call a screaming war. Uh, you know, every single, it seems like every single, I don't know, channel wants to put out its own platform. Every single, you know, there's 8 million different streaming platforms. And the reality is, is that, you know, 99% of the time when it comes to the two deciding factors for me are obviously, and, and it's not a surprise, I assume it is for everybody, is the programming and the cost. You know, does is it is it cheap enough for me to afford that it's not an impact really, or that I feel like it's you know dollars on the cents and or pennies on the dollar, um, and and is the content good enough to justify what the fee is? You know, if the fee is four ninety nine and I get you know and I watch you know five hours a week, then that's that seems justifiable to me. If it's twenty dollars and I watch five hours a week, it's not justifiable to me. So it all depends on what the content is, and what prices. You know, Netflix is definitely. You know, at the moment, I think the highest as far as being one single price, um, uh, because they only really, I think they only have the one real price point. Um, so, um, in regards to, you know, they don't have like a more basic, you know, ad option or, you know, where you only get part of the catalog. So, like a Hulu or a CBS or a, although CBS is pretty decent as far as I think they're only four ninety nine or five ninety nine, uh, maybe they're six ninety nine. But either way, I mean, it, you know, so I, you know, I don't know. It does seem a little high priced for right now, especially it, it's especially a bad time to raise it in, in the midst of this environment where everyone's struggling with money and losing jobs and so on. At the same time, companies are struggling to survive, and I, you know, if Netflix is in the red, then they're clearly struggling to survive along with being the pioneer they're also the old goat and the you know the 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 fad that's that's trending out you know everyone likes the new thing that's popping up and so as everyone creates a new streaming platform or every channel gets its own platform or whatever they do netflix becomes less and less unique and less and less you know it has everyone takes back their stuff from netflix so it has their catalog is even less um, and those kind of things. So, yeah, I mean, I think it suffers uh, from being the first as much as it probably benefits from being the first. Or the 
Absolutely. But that is uh, all that I have to say about Netflix. You fire off this last piece of news because we're running out yes, of time sir. for the episode. <laughs> Again, we're, you know, I know that I said an hour is the best way to do it. It doesn't mean that we have to stick to an hour every No, we time. have to stick to an hour. We cannot get so, over but my last little piece of news, and again, not a super big piece of news, but just a reminder to people and just want to mention it. I don't know if you watched or not, but Mandalorian kicked off this weekend, season two. Yeah. Off this weekend. I was trying to avoid it, and then it got spoiled for me, so I was trying to watch the first episode, but I got too stoned and passed out, so I only saw so well, much Well, don't say of anything, because I haven't seen it yet, so... I, I decided that um, I wanted to watch season one again before I watched season two. So I have good luck the trying finale. to avoid those spoilers. So I have the finale to watch of season one, which I'm going to try to watch this morning, and then tonight I think we're planning on watching the premiere of season two. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think you know I'm I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with the story. It appears that season two is going to be him returning Baby Yoda to his people, or at least attempting to. So. I'm interested in that. It looks like we're going to get a lot more Baby Yoda, which clearly has stolen the whole series um, as, you know, as the most uh, watchable or desirable character. So, well, you know, it's a cute little kid. Cute little kid. That's right. So that was it. That's all I got. Well, that is that. That does it then. That's everything. That's everything for this wonderful two day late Halloween episode. Well, ladies and gentlemen, sorry for the lateness. I think you should know by now. Just expect that, uh, <laughs> like a father from the 70s that went out for a loaf of bread or a pack of cigarettes, we might be a little late getting to you, but we will get to you. Yeah. Unlike my father, he's still out there looking for that pack of cigarettes. But that's a story for a different time. Uh, happy late Halloween to everybody, all of our listeners. We appreciate you taking time out of your day, no matter what you're doing. To check out the Entertainment Beyond podcast. Uh, Alan, is there anything you'd like to say? Oh, I'd like I, to tell I, all the listeners happy, uh, happy, um, fuck, what's it called? It's not Thanksgiving. Happy We Slaughtered a Bunch of Native Americans Day. And yeah, I hope that you guys enjoy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you're going to want to do an episode for that day, Alan, but I wanted to tell all the listeners happy National Mass Genocide Day. Yes, yes, yeah. Happy belated Halloween uh, from my family to yours uh, and to all the listeners out there. I hope everyone gets out and votes between now and Tuesday. Tuesday, tomorrow's a big day. Um, uh, I, I hope we see some some a blue wave. Uh, sorry if there's red listeners. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, you know, again. Uh, you really think there's going to be any red listeners after all the shit we've said <laughs> about the Thursday. Uh, not Thursday, Thanksgiving. I meant to say Thursday. Thanksgiving is, uh, you know, uh, an interesting National day. Mass yeah. Genocide Day. Without a doubt, yeah. I mean, it's it's right up there with uh, Columbus Day. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I will eat turkey on that day. But you know, due to the virus, we're not we're not planning any celebrations. And if, if anybody is, be safe and uh, be smart out there. And uh, we wish everybody. Or just uh, don't celebrate a fake holiday. Make well, it your own thing. Too. It's for I mean, me. It's a, a day of drinking and eating Chinese food. We do have a few, uh, a couple weekends before then, which we could definitely try to cast if you want, or we could we push could it definitely. off until after the holiday. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah I'm good with uh, casting next week. We can figure out what to cast. And uh, we'll figure out, and we'll try. We will try emphasis on try to keep to the schedule for the listeners because I I don't want to 
I don't want to feel like you guys are being trolled. That's not what, <laughs> you know, that's not my intention. I can't speak to Mr. Entertainment Beyond's intentions. But my intentions are to entertain you beyond your wildest fantasies on a almost weekly basis. My, my intentions are altruistic always. Yeah, altruistic to troll the listeners. <laughs> But uh, we are over our lot of time, so I will just say uh, keep it classy, everyone. And stuff it down with Brown. Until next time, Alan, 